Good evening and welcome to the Lockdown Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLivingLoco and follow our podcast Twitter at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar, the only protein bar looks, feels, and tastes like a candy bar with none of the guilt. Head on over to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off your next order. On tonight's episode, we will be recapping some NHL playoff action, but before then, we do have a trade to discuss, and I feel like this trade is actually fairly important because it could set a precedent for things to come. I don't like to say that trade set the market because I think that that is a, a bit of a NHL myth. I don't think that trades should set the market, and I don't think that they always do. More often than not, it's just kind of what deal you can negotiate and who you can kind of catch slipping at times. Today's victims are the Pittsburgh Penguins, who traded a first, Philip Hollander, Evan Rodriguez, who was in an RFA, I believe, this season, and something else in the form of the first-round pick that Pittsburgh owns this year, which is a 15th overall pick in exchange for Jesper Lindgren, Kasperi Kapanen, and I believe Pontus Auberg. And Auberg is basically a throwaway because he's going to the KHL pretty shortly here. I think the first thing to assess is what exactly you get for this entire package. And if you're the Pittsburgh Penguins, you get a middle six winger who has shown flashes of higher offensive upside across the past couple of seasons. And even though he has shown some signs of being like a fringe top sixer, I think for the most part his production plants him somewhere in like second or third line territory. Now Kapanen has offensive upside. I think that that is one thing that Pittsburgh is banking on here. What's kind of interesting is that they actually drafted this guy. He went to Toronto and now he's coming back home. I I think Kapanen is a serviceable forward. I don't think that he's the kind of guy that in a draft that is this deep this year, you would trade 15th overall for. You know, obviously in many drafts, 15th overall is not quite as good as it is this season because you could probably get somebody who has like a 1-3 in three chance of making the NHL at best, and that's not really great if you're exchanging it for an NHL forward. Not great meaning in this case, you know, Toronto would be giving up a, a valuable NHL asset for a 1-3 in three shot of, of getting an NHL forward of some sort. But what I think you have to consider here is what exactly these needs are, are being filled. Toronto had to trade one of Andreas Janssen and Kasperi Kapanen. Kapanen, by trade market, was going to be the more valuable asset. And I think that they made, they made the right choice in trading him away because he doesn't really fit their long-term plans. He is a talented player, but he's somebody who has never really put it all together and continues to be a little bit on the outside of Kyle Dubas's plans. They also traded away Jesper Lindgren, who's been perfectly serviceable for the Toronto Marlies. I would say he's like a top four defenseman at the AHL level and probably a bottom six defenseman in the NHL, like a third pairing guy, maybe a five or six. And there's definitely NHL value in that, but he's not the kind of person where you look at that package and say, you know, Toronto really lost out big because what Toronto got in exchange was a 15th overall pick where they have a shot of getting a really good high-end forward prospect. And then they're also getting a middle 6C prospect in Philip Hollander. And Hollander is somebody who's probably not going to be like an elite offensive forward. But what I do think you're going to get is like a safe, reliable middle six NHL center who can be an all situations kind of guy, whether you need to put him on the the penalty kill or use him as like an even strength two-way transition player. He seems like the kind of forward the Jets would like. You know, they like these two-way transition guys who can be a little bit defensively sound, but can also chip an offense from time to time. And you see that in guys like Andrew Kopp, Adam Lowry, and Mason Appleton. Although these guys kind of do different things um, at different levels. I think, of course, Kopp is like a fringe second liner, Lowry is more of a defensive shutdown specialist, and Appleton, 
And, you know, he's like a fourth-line defensive specialist as well. It's just really hard to see why Pittsburgh thought that this would be the right trade package when I think you could get better players for the same price. I look at how much they're giving up here, which is quite a bit. And, you know, obviously Evan Rodriguez is another NHL forward who is an RFA that you'd have to qualify at $2 million. So Toronto may not even qualify him. But I think from a sheer asset perspective, Toronto wins big here. They cleared off cap space. They brought in a good prospect. They're going to get a very good prospect at 15th overall. And the RFA that they're bringing in and potentially could negotiate with if he goes to free agency is actually somebody who might be a little bit more well-rounded than Kapanen. Rodriguez is certainly not somebody who's like a high-end offensive elite forward. But I think if, you, if you're looking for like a bottom six depth forward who can eat up minutes and be sound in both transition and defense, I think that Rodriguez, I think he gives you quite a bit of value for what you're getting out of him. Just wait till he's a free agent, negotiate with him, and if he ends up having to walk, it's no big deal. I mean, you basically got a first, you know, first round pick in the, a very deep draft and another nice center prospect for guys who just didn't fit your team and you needed to clear off the books. If you're the Winnipeg Jets, this is like a best case scenario because suddenly guys like Jack Roslovic and Kyle Connor, who may not figure into the team's long term plans, have even more value than ever before. Kyle Connor is a, a contract controlled, cost controlled asset and that makes him a very valuable asset already. But because he's young, and he's such a potent goal scorer, there are plenty of NHL teams out there who would probably look at that and think, that's somebody that we need on our team. I've talked about Winnipeg maybe needing to think about trading Kyle Connor sooner rather than later, because to be honest, Connor is a very talented player, and he is a, a huge offensive producer, especially at even strength and on the power play, but I think the way that he generates is a, a, a format that doesn't really fit what the Jets need. You know, everyone could use goal scoring, that much is true. But you can't be such a, a net negative in your own zone and away from the puck that you end up kind of holding your lines back. And unfortunately, Kyle Connor needs somebody who can really create that space and explore it for him so that he can profit and poach. That style just doesn't really suit what the Jets are trying to do. And I think that that is a mismatch right now that, you know, could be rectified if he's sent to a team that really needs a high-end elite goal scorer who just finishes opportunities whenever he gets them. Even though, from my perspective, Connor is missing a couple of things to make him a really complete forward, I think that there are plenty of NHL teams out there who will look at his package and think, that's exactly the guy we want to trade for, and if we're going to make one deal, that's the guy we want. And I think that you could get a huge package for Connor, especially if if a guy like Kapanen got uh, a mid-first-round pick in an extremely deep draft and a middle-six prospect who might actually be pretty decent, you know, I think that you could ask a princely sum for a guy like Connor. Kyle's a bona fide 40-goal scorer, and I don't think that there's any reason for me to say otherwise, because even though he does struggle away from the puck and occasionally doesn't use the line mates to his best of his ability, I think that this is somebody who can still notch a ton of goals very easily because of his raw tool sets and skills that he has. Teams like Carolina and Montreal would be prime candidates for somebody, you know, you, you would look to if you could get a couple of really good prospects and young players out of those systems. Carolina comes to mind immediately first, but they have a lot of cap issues going forward, so I don't really know if they would make the most sense unless they start dumping cap and giving the Jets someone usable like, I don't know, Brady Shea and some prospects. In order to make the deal happen, though, the return has to be good, and I think Winnipeg needs to be very careful if they actually do trade Kyle Connor that they don't get a, a fast one pulled on them. 
The Jets seem pretty savvy in this respect, so I'm not too worried, but you always have a little bit of a concern that one day you're going to be on the wrong end of a bad trade and you're going to regret it. In just a little bit, we'll actually get back to some of our non-trade talk and talk a little bit more about some of the games that are currently ongoing and that have already concluded. But before we talk about hockey, I wanted to tell you a little bit more about rockauto.com. Assembling and maintaining a vehicle is a lot like running an NHL team. You never know when things are going to break down, and when they do, you need to find replacement parts as soon as possible. Even when you know what you're looking for, getting it from the right source is always a challenge. Are you overpaying for a part like Pittsburgh did for Kapanen? Are you even getting something that fits what you need? For all these questions and more, rockauto.com has the answer. The fine folks at rockauto.com have been in the automotive industry for over 20 years. Their easy-to-use, intuitive website allows you to sort by make, year, and model for your vehicle, as well as the price range, so you always get the parts that you need at the price you want. Whether you're looking for a new engine control module or a new floor mat to replace the one you messed up with your last battle with that greasy taco, rockauto.com is guaranteed to have what you're looking for. You could even save anywhere from 20-50% to off in-store retail brick-and-mortar pricing. So don't delay, head on over to rockauto.com today, and when you place an order, be sure to write locked on in the how-did-you-hear-about-us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, visit rockauto.com today. Maintaining vehicles can be a challenge, but it's even harder to maintain ourselves, especially us men who deal with stuff like erectile dysfunction. Talking about ED is never easy. Usually we blame ourselves and say things like, I've lost my mojo, I'm not feeling it, or sorry, I'm just too tired. But with Roman, it's finally easy and safe to talk about it. You can talk with a real healthcare professional who can prescribe real medication, it's safe, simple, and totally discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. A healthcare professional will work with you step-by-step to find the best treatment plan, and if medication is appropriate, Roman will send it to you with free two-day shipping. Getting started is easy. Just go to GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNHL today. If approved, you'll get $15 off your first order of ED treatment. That's GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNHL. GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNHL. Dealing with ED alone was always a challenge, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today and get the help you need. Continuing our NHL bubble playoff hockey coverage, I thought I would tell you a little bit about what happened between Dallas and Colorado in their crazy and chaotic game last night. In a previous episode, I said that Dallas was going to face a much more uh, you know, intimidating, faster, and more offensively-minded Colorado Avalanche team, especially after the Avs kind of got stifled by Dallas in Game 1. You know, the Stars were a little bit fortunate, but I also think that the Stars played a pretty good game in that first matchup, and I expected Colorado to have a big response. It seemed like Colorado had been listening to the show and also just doing their job, because in Game 2, they immediately showed up, They were generating tons of scoring chances, and they were the ones to score first. They then added a second goal and looked like they were pretty much in cruise control for that first 20 to 30 minutes, and then things kind of got weird. You know, there were a lot of minors and, and penalties that were awarded, and then Dallas started to get those same calls, and then the Stars suddenly found themselves in a 5-on-3 power play. I specify this point because this was the turning point in the game, and it was really strange when you look at the penalties that were awarded. I mean, I know, I know that the NHL referees tend to try and even stuff up, but I felt like these calls, you just couldn't make them. You know, maybe one penalty you can call and that's fine, but if you add two of them consecutively in a 5-on-3 situation, I don't know, man. Dallas immediately made them pay, and you could tell that things were starting to get a little bit uncomfortable for the Avs, because now the lead is 2-1, and you're feeling a little bit of pressure. But then Dallas scored just a little bit later to tie the game, and this was like another fluky bounce on the power play, no less, and then things just kind of started to snowball. Radulov scored, I think, a goal off of his shoulder, 
Essa Lindell, right before the end of the period, scored. Although this one was the funniest goal because Lindell, like, tried to jam it. There was, like, a two-on-one situation caused by a, a turnover along the wall from Jonas Donskoy. And Lindell comes in on a two-on-one and takes the shot, right? Uh, Pavel Frankuz had gone for, like, a two-pad stack, but he, like, rolled to the point where there was a small gap between the pads and the bottom corner of the lower left post. So Lindell theoretically had a good shot, right? So he takes the initial shot, and it doesn't go in, and then he, like, jams the puck a little bit, and there's somebody trying to mark him and get their own stick, you know, between the puck and the uh, Pavel Francuz's pads and, and Lindell's own stick. Well, Lindell thought he scored, and he, like, throws his arms up, and the, the referee behind him awards a goal, even though the ref, I don't think, even saw it cross the line. What's even stranger is when you look at the video review, there's just not a whole lot of evidence either way. I, from what I could tell, and from some of the angles that they showed, I think the puck crossed the line, but it wasn't really conclusive either way. It's one of those situations where some guy celebrated a goal and suddenly it was awarded. And I think because of the nature of the way that it was awarded, and the way that VAR is used in this case, which is only to overturn clear and obvious errors, you can't really say that it wasn't a goal. Because the initial decision was that it was a goal, which, in my opinion, I think would have been faulty to begin with, I just don't really know how you overturn it with the evidence that was on hand, which was a, a bit of evidence, but not enough where you could say either way whether or not Lindell did or did not score. I think going forward, that is going to be something that needs to be further examined because Lindell basically celebrated a goal into existence. Whether it did or did not cross the line, none of us is really going to know, and I, I certainly couldn't tell from any of the angles. But, you know, VAR is, is always a, a controversial subject, and, and all of these goal reviews have been kind of iffy. You know, throughout the regular season, there were situations where goals were reviewed and called good or not good when the inverse should have been said. You know, offside challenges are always the bane of everyone's existence. Goaltender interference is a coin flip. You look at the way that the officiating works for goal challenges, and something just seems fundamentally broken with all of it. I don't know what the answer is because I'm not an expert on this on these situations, and I can't say either way. But I think what we do know is that the current process of review is not good enough. You know, the Avs they can't really say that uh, you know, the officiating was the only reason that they lost. I mean, they did kind of get unlucky, and some of the calls against them were not good. But by the same token, I feel like the officiating really helped bury them, ultimately. And, and this was a situation that just shouldn't have happened. Right before the end of regulation in the third period, Dallas added one more goal from Jamie Alexiak, who's apparently on something of a redemption tour. But I, I just feel like this game was very strange. It felt like a turning point in the series that wasn't really something that Colorado had that much control over. You know, the Avs do have to solve uh, Anton Hudobin a little bit sooner and ultimately score goals, but I also feel like they just weren't given a very good hand, and ultimately that hand really sank them early. Tomorrow's game at 10.30pm Eastern is going to be pivotal in the series and very likely will determine who comes out on top, and I feel like at this point, Colorado is, is just hanging on by a thread. For a team that has definitely been better than Dallas throughout stretches of the series, especially in the early goings, they're just not getting rewarded for it, and I feel like that's going to have to change on, on tomorrow's game if if Colorado really wants a shot at getting the series turned around. In just a bit, we'll talk about Boston versus Tampa Bay, as well as a little bit of a live look into Vancouver versus Vegas, but before then, I thought I'd tell you a little bit about DoorDash. Now that we're all stuck inside during quarantine, finding the right food and getting a really good meal is always a bit of a challenge. You know, we can only live on boxed mac and cheese and microwave meals for so long before some of us go a little bit stir-crazy. And then you get to the challenge of figuring out how do you satisfy everyone in your family's desires? You know, one person wants pizza, somebody else wants frozen yogurt, Maybe you even want Chinese or Thai food. 
DoorDash has the answer. Just get everything. With the DoorDash app, supporting your community and local restaurants has never been easier. With over 300,000 partners in the U.S., Puerto Rico, Canada, and Australia, you can support your local go-to hotspots or choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, and the Cheesecake Factory. Ordering is super easy. Just open the DoorDash app, choose what you want, and your food will be left outside your door with contactless delivery. Even better, right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when they download the DoorDash app and enter promo code locked on nhl that's five dollars off your order and zero delivery fees when you download the doordash app in the app store and enter code locked on nhl doordash is the app that brings you the food you're craving right now right to your door don't forget to use promo code locked on nhl for five dollars off your first order with doordash closing us out tonight we have boston versus tampa bay which has been a very seesaw series you know we've we've kind of expected that these two teams would be very tight but the scoreline of game one would make you think that Boston was in control when really Boston and Tampa Bay were kind of playing a bit of chess in the first game. And ultimately, Boston was the one that found those little breakthroughs to get to Tampa Bay's goaltending and their defense. Game two was a little bit more chess, but in this case, we had quite a bit more open play and we ultimately had quite a few more goals. Both teams came to play and I feel like we saw some really sick power play goals, some really great passing. And, you know, you ultimately saw guys like Brad Marchand really stepping up. And then Blake Coleman had a couple of fantastic efforts. I think the one that's going to stand out is Zach Bogosian diving to get Coleman the puck on a two-on-one situation and Coleman then having to dive himself to get to the puck and score, which was just an absolutely ridiculous individual effort. I think that these kinds of games are what make this series really intriguing. There's a lot of back-and-forth action. You see you know, top six players putting on a clinic, but then you see really good individual efforts from these bottom six units. And this is the difference between some of these other teams and then Boston and Tampa. You know, the Bruins and Lightning both have so much depth and all of that depth for the most part is very skilled. These guys are able to put on a serious clinic at all levels and there's really uh, not a clear division in matchup winning. You know, these teams have enough depth to to really go toe-to-toe at every single line. Sure, Bogosian ultimately had a rougher few shifts after his assist but I think it just goes to show you that even when these guys are struggling, they're still able to create some really wonderful scoring opportunities. Tampa actually thought they were going to pull this one out and win and even the series, but, you know, Boston ultimately had different plans and ideas, and there was just an amazing passing sequence between Pasternak, I think it was Bergeron, and then Marchand to finish off a game-tying goal in force overtime. Marchand on that short right side has been an absolute menace. I think he had a power play goal there as well tonight, and that's just a situation where you can't leave him unmarked no matter what. Thankfully, if you're a Tampa Bay fan, you know, the Lightning were able to pull it out and score a bit of a greasy goal. This one courtesy of Andre Palat and a bit of a nice net front grind. But, man, this is a tight series, and I think the next game is going to be very explosive. We've seen the best from these two different teams with a bit of a different approach in terms of offensive attacking and prowess, but ultimately a really good defense all around. Halak and Vasilevsky may need to make a couple more saves if they want to have a real good shot of closing this series out, just because I think a few goals tonight probably should not have gone in, but, you know, ultimately that's going to happen in this series, and there's just a lot of random factors when you're out there, but ultimately it's just going to be fun. I think we're going to see plenty of goals up ahead, and I'm excited. Speaking of exciting, Vancouver is currently up 2-0 heading into the second period against the Vegas Golden Knights, and this is a situation that I think you really need to see from Vancouver because... They need to show that their top six can score, and their top six has scored. I think Bo Horvat and Tanner Pearson are tonight's goal scorers of record. 
And I mentioned in a previous episode that those guys need to get going. Even if it's not a deep in strength, scoring on the power play, same difference at this point. You just need to find ways to get goals on the score sheet and put Vegas under pressure. If you can get to the Knights early and, and hopefully turn this series around, Vancouver will have a shot. It's slim, I, will, I won't lie, it's going to be a, a tough fight, but I think they have a shot if they can pull this off. That said, you know, they've got plenty of time to sort things out. They have several games left. We'll see what happens. I'm not really rooting for Vancouver, but I would also kind of not mind them advancing. That said, I think Vegas is probably the team that should deserve to go through. I think that they're the ones who could be a cup contender, and I think that they also serve as a reminder to the NHL that you can't be complacent with what you have because the Knights had nothing just a few seasons ago, but invested wisely in a smart staff, and now they're, you know, perennial cup contenders at this point. So maybe they should be the ones to go through. I don't know. Tough to call. You know, let me know what you guys think you'd want to see, especially as a potential Stanley Cup final, whether it's at HL Living Loco or at our podcast Twitter at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. Thank you so much for listening. Before you log off, be sure to check out our Locked On National podcast hosted by Sarah Avampato. Have a great night and go Jets go.